Acts chapter 17, verse 6. This is how someone described the very first century church. This was his description of the first century church. Acts chapter 17, verse 6. He says, But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men have turned the world upside down. These men turned the world upside down. 2,000 years ago, Jesus launched the greatest movement we'll ever see. The greatest movement that has ever been the church. And you and I are sitting here this morning because 120 disciples gathered together, huddled together in a room praying, and they captured, they lived, they breathed, and they even died giving their lives to the mission and movement of Jesus. I mean, they were so captivated, they were so overcome with who Jesus is and what he had done for them and who he had called them to be and what he had called them to do that they lived, they breathed, they ate, they slept the mission of Jesus Christ. And this movement that Jesus launched 2,000 years ago still continues today. And if we read and look at the New Testament church, the first century church, we don't have to read very long to discover that the first century church was a church that was on the move. They were on the move. I mean, they were turning their world upside down with the hope, forgiveness, peace, new life of Jesus Christ. That's what they were doing. And here's someone that's not part of the church looking at the first century church going, these guys are turning our world upside down. They were so overcome with who Jesus is that it didn't matter what kind of persecution. It didn't matter all the outside things that might be happening to them. What mattered was that they follow Jesus and that they make Jesus known. I believe when we read the New Testament, when we look at the New Testament church, just as those early disciples moved out making Christ known, and we read the the book of Acts in the first century church, we look at it, we're like thousands, hundreds of people are giving their lives to Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I read that and I'm like, man, that's, that's not for our day. I wish that could happen for our day. Right? I really, man, wouldn't that be awesome if, if we saw thousands of people give their lives to Jesus, hundreds of people, and we kind of talk that way, kind of like not setting ourselves up for disappointment? I believe that what we see in the first century church can happen today. And I believe it can, and here's why. And some people might say, Mark, you're being idealistic. You're being very unrealistic. I don't think I am, and here's why. Because we have the exact same mission that the first century church had. We have the exact same message that the first century church had. We have the exact same Holy Spirit, the very power to live out the mission that the first century had. We have the very same presence of Jesus Christ because Jesus said to the first disciples, Lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. We have the exact same presence with us that the first century church had. We have the very same promises that the first century church had. It's our turn. It's simply our move. And I believe what we see and what we're going to read about in the New Testament church can happen today. I believe that. And I hope you believe that. I hope you really do. 
And so the question is, how do you and I become a church like we read about? How do we become a church, a church that's on the move? Because I believe when we're on the move, we will see families, we will see neighborhoods, we will see cities, we will see campuses, we will see the world transform with the person of Jesus Christ when we as the church are living on the move. When we're on the move, I believe it. So how do we get there? Here's how we get there. Please appreciate my wonderful artistic work. All right, this is how we get there. If you're looking for a strategic plan for living church, if you want to call it that, this is it. Not because it's a, a specific plan for living church. I believe this is God's plan for the church. Whether that church is here in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, Columbia, Colorado, Columbus, China, I believe this is what we see in the New Testament when it comes to church. This is how you and I become a church on the move. This is what we see the movement of the church, how we see them operating. And this is what we're going to fill in over the next two gatherings together. So how do we become a church on the move? How do you and I, as the church today, turn our world upside down with the person of Jesus Christ? How do we do that? Thankfully, we have an answer. The answer is we just simply learn the moves of the first church that did it. Sure, different time, different place, different culture, but we have everything the same that they had. We have the same problem, right? The problem they encountered in the first century was a world needing Jesus. We have the same problem today. But we have all the same that they had, same spirit, same presence, same mission, same message, same promises that they had. It's simply our turn. And it's not, oh, we have to. It's a we get to. We get to go tell people about Jesus. We get to go do this. And so how do you and I become a church that's on the move? Go with me to the book of Acts. If you're there, chapter 1. We become a church on the move by learning the moves of the first century church. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. We go to the book of Acts. Acts is written by a man, a disciple of Jesus named Luke. And actually, the book of Acts is the second book in his discipleship series. The first book Luke wrote in his discipleship series is the Gospel of Luke. That's his first book. So this is kind of like the second volume. All right, in his first book, Luke writes to a man, Theophilus, and he's kind of a young, I don't know if he's young, but he's a new disciple, I believe, in the faith of Jesus Christ. So in the gospel of Luke, he's telling Theophilus, his disciples, saying, hey, here's all that Jesus did. Here's what Jesus did. And now I'm going to tell you the result, what it looks like when God's people, when Jesus' people really capti are captivated by Jesus. This is what can happen. And so that's what we find here in the book of Acts. Luke records the first 30 years of the first century church movement. And so we're going to take some time over this gathering and the next one to kind of uncover the moves of the church so that we together can become a church on the move and see our city, our families, our neighborhoods, our campuses transformed with the person of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Luke starts out his discipleship book to Theophilus this way. He says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. 
Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus says to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, Jesus was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Verse 10. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who's been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Luke begins his account to Theophilus, recording the the movement of the first century church. Where does he start? He starts with Jesus. He starts with Jesus. He begins to unfold for his friend and disciple Theophilus, listen, this movement that you're going to read about, that I'm laying out for you, it all starts with Jesus. It begins with knowing Christ. That's what he says. He says Jesus is the starting point. The first move of the first century church was to start with Jesus. To start with, that's what he says. He says in verse 3, well, well, who is this Jesus? And he kind of lays out for, the, for Theophilus again, reminds the, can't even say, Theo, we'll call him Theo. He reminds Theo about Jesus. He says, Theo, after his suffering, Jesus, he's saying, this Jesus, he suffered. He reminds Theo that, hey, this Jesus, that this movement is all about, that is, he died. He died on a cross. He purchased the church. The very reason you and I are here this morning as a church, and if, and if you're here in Christ, is because Jesus died for you. Jesus put himself on the cross and purchased the church. Acts 20, 28. The church of God, for which Christ, God, bought us with his life, it says. You and I are here this morning as in Christ because God himself came to us, put himself on a cross to take on himself your sin and my sin. And he reminds Theo of that. He says, hey, this movement that we're going to read about, I'm going to veil for you. It all starts with the Jesus that died. But Jesus is not still hanging on the cross. He's alive. He says, after he suffered... He showed himself to these men, verse 3, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. This Jesus that came, that purchased us as the church, he's not still hanging on the cross, people. He is alive right now, in this very moment, and he is in our midst. That's this Jesus that we're about. He's a real person, and he's really here, and he's really alive, giving convincing proofs that he was alive. Jesus isn't dead. He's fully alive. And then he goes on, he says, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. This this Jesus, he died on a cross to set us free from our sin. He came back to life, he's alive, and he's a king. He's a king with a kingdom. And if you're here in Christ, you are privileged to sit around the king's table for the rest of your life. Just basking in his glory, taking in all that he is, discovering all these new gems of who Jesus is. If you're here in Christ, he's got a kingdom. And then he says, he gives his people, a mission. If you go down to verse 7 and 8, he says, he says to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. So this Jesus comes. He dies on the cross to set us free, to buy us into his family, 
so that we can be part, be around his table. He comes back to life. He has a kingdom. He's a king. And then he says, hey, I'm not going to be selfish with this mission. I'm going to give the mission to you. I want you to go do it. It's your privilege now. I believe in you. I know you as the church. You're mine. You go out there and you tell the world about me. And then he doesn't just leave us hanging. He gives us the power to accomplish the mission. He says, here's the mission. Just go tell people the truth about who I am. Be my witnesses. That's what a witness does. He tells the truth. So our mission is simple. Just, go, just start telling people the truth about who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. That's our mission. And we don't do it alone. We've get, he has given us his spirit. The Holy Spirit will come on you. Okay, so we've got, all the, we've got the mission. We've got the message. We've got the presence of Christ. Then we have the promise of his return. I love how Luke just keeps going. He says this. The very end, verse 11, the angels come talk to these first disciples. Can you imagine that scene? Imagine being one of the 120 there. He says, this same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven, he's going to come back. He's going to return. It's not, the mission is not the end. The return of Christ, that's what we're longing for, people. That's what we look forward to, is that our king is going to come and restore and make it all new again. All the brokenness, all the hurting, it's going to be new. And this is the king we get to go tell people about. This is our mission. Luke reminds us this morning that if we're going to be a church on the move, it's going to involve you and me as made disciples because that's who he's talking to. The you in verse 8, he's talking to those who have already received Christ, those who are made disciples. Okay, so what happens here? If we're going to be a church on the move, we need to understand first it starts with Jesus. All right, it starts with with Jesus, with us as made disciples. So if you're filling in your, your handout, this is where it goes. You and me as made disciples. If you're in, here in Christ, you're a made disciple of Jesus. And it's going to start with you and me as made disciples of Christ, knowing Christ. That's what he's telling Theophilus. He's saying, listen, it all starts with you and me knowing Jesus. Listen, Jesus is not just the starting point of the church, okay, if this is a starting point, And he's not just the end point of the church. He's the line in between. Jesus is the starting point, the end point, and the line in between for us is the church. It all starts with you and me knowing him. That's what Paul said. He said in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, one of my favorite verses, he said to the church in Corinth, who he was there for 18 months, he said, I resolved to know nothing while I was among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So for 18 months, can you imagine if you come two weeks from now and I keep preaching the same message to you? The exact same one. Go through Dare You to Move, do this all over again, and did that almost every time we got together. You'd be like, dude, please. That's what Paul said. While I was with you for 18 months, I resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul in Philippians says, I want to know Christ. So here he is, years after coming to know the Lord, suffering for the Lord, he says, I continually want to know this Jesus. And so if we're going to become a church on the move like we see in the New Testament and see in the first century, it's going to involve you and me as made disciples being consumed with knowing Christ. It's going to be consumed with you and me knowing Christ. You see, when you receive Christ, you don't stop knowing him. The moment you receive Christ, it's like opening up a treasure. And then when you look in, oh man, there's this endless riches of who Jesus is and it's endless we don't stop knowing Jesus once Jesus comes in. We keep knowing Jesus. And it's through knowing him that we become a church of made disciples on the move, making Christ known. And you say, okay, how do I do this? 
how do I do this? I, I, okay, Mark, I, I want to know Christ. Well, the first, let me, let me help you. Here's some things you can do to help yourself know Jesus. Number one, if you're here without Jesus, first thing is receive Jesus. Turn from your sin. Realize you were lost in your sin. I realize that Jesus died on the cross to rescue you from your sin and simply call out to him to free you from your chains of sin. And he will, and he will come in, place his spirit inside you and have the promise of his presence with you and in you forever. That's the first step of ever doing anything with knowing Jesus is receiving Jesus. You say, well, how do I do that? Just simply ask him to set you free and he will. Ask him. You say, okay, I'm here, Mark. I'm a made disciple. What are some things I can do to know Christ in 2013? Here's some things. Read the Bible. Revolutionary. Maybe for some it might be, but read the scriptures because everywhere you look, you see Jesus. Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1. Who's the voice speaking creation into existence? Jesus' voice. The word of God. Revelation, the very end. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Genesis 1-1, we got Jesus. Revelation 21, we got Jesus. And all in the middle, Jesus. So start reading the word. You say, what about the Old Testament scriptures? Read them. And when you read them, pull out a journal and start looking for Jesus. Read the gospels. You know what the gospels are? They're biographies of Jesus. I mean, I remember in school and having to do biographies for school and Tony Dorsett of the Dallas Cowboys, right? He was kind of my favorite, so I pulled out, went to the, the school library, pulled out, this was like, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade, pulled out Tony Dorsett, right? And I start reading and had to do a paper, so I start taking notes on, on Tony Dorsett. Do that with the scriptures, and get to know this Christ that has rescued us, that has purchased us. You know, here's another idea. Maybe... Start asking people, listen, I want to hear your story of how Jesus transformed your life. Tell me. And just listen. Maybe you have a, a mom or a dad or a grandparent or a friend or uncle, aunt, co-worker, fellow student. Man, Jesus is in you, man, and he's transformed you. I, tell me the story because I want to know Jesus in your life. You find out. Get to know this Christ. On our website, we have a, a story, a life story of a man, young man named David. Go to the website, watch his story. It's 10 minutes long. And you will know Jesus when you discover his story. You will see how Jesus transforms lives. So listen, get to know the stories of others and how Jesus has changed their lives. Commit to being with Christ. People, listen, I get it. We're not a perfect people, so don't expect us to be. Christ people, we're imperfect. We are, but we have a perfect Christ. Don't look at us. Look at him. And you, but, but when you look at us, I'm pretty confident you'll see some of him in us. All right? So spend time with Christ's people. Memorize passages about who Jesus is and what he's done. I mean, it all comes down to this, right? If we're going to be a movement on the church like they were. They were fascinated, overwhelmed, captivated by the person of Jesus Christ. It's going to involve you and me as made disciples knowing Christ, consumed with knowing Christ. And that's why we say that here at Living Church. We're a church about knowing Jesus. Not because that's a unique phrase for Living Church. No, that's what the first church was all about. We want to be all about what the first church that turned their world upside down was all about. And if you're in a place that's not preaching Christ, move on. I'm not saying come, just move on. Go someplace that you are hearing about Jesus regularly because it is all about Jesus. <laughs> we got to get captivated with him. And when we do, it just motivates, it just propels us. So we got to know Christ. If we're going to become a church on the move for his glory. We also 
have to be made disciples, consumed with knowing Christ, who are moving out, living Christ, making Christ known. Look at verse 4 of chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. He says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard from me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Go down to verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem. Right where you are. But then you're going to spread out to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How's that going to happen? Is it going to happen by them staying in Jerusalem? They're going to have to move. They're going to have to move out. That's how this is going to happen. So if we're going to be in movement like we see in the New Testament church, it's going to involve us as made disciples moving out. That's what it's going to involve, just like we see in the first century church. Well, what are some examples of moving out that we see in the first century church? Go to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Verse 12, Luke records, he says, The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Verse 13, No one else dared join them, even though they were highly highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more, men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Where are the apostles performing this? Among the people. How do you get among the people? You move. You move out. Now, naturally we move, right? We work. We go to work. So we're naturally, God places it, puts us in places where there are people who need Jesus. So we naturally are just moving. But now we're moving with a mission. We're moving with a purpose. We're moving with the presence of the Spirit of Christ in us, with the promises of Christ in our hearts and in our minds. So we're moving out now with, on mission to, to know Christ. And as we move out, we are living Christ, making Christ known. In the first century church, they were among the people. Look at verse 41 and 42 of chapter 5. It says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Do you get rejoicing? You know what I do when I come home and I get suffering for, man, what did I say? What? I must have said something wrong. Maybe I was a little awkward in how I talked about Jesus. You know, start. these guys are like, awkward, what's that? Feeling weird, what's that? Jesus has saved me, i got to tell people. He's their hope. It doesn't matter if I feel awkward, who cares? They're on their way rejoicing, saying, hey, we suffered for the name of Jesus. Woohoo! yeah, bring it on. And then what do they do? Verse 42, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Where are they? They're in the religious places of their culture, the temple courts, and they're going from house to house. It didn't matter. They're among the people. We've got a mission. We've got a Jesus. We've got a Savior. We've got a rescuer, and we've got to tell people he's the hope for the world. And so they're moving out. Temple court, we're there. House, we're there. Marketplace, there. Wherever we are moving out, giving people the the message of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Some more moving out. Stephen is martyred for the cause of Christ. And as a result of that great persecution, verse 1 of 8 says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Okay, it's not just my responsibility to go out and tell people about Jesus. It's not just the church leadership. 
It's yours. It's mine. It's all of us. If you are a made disciple of Jesus, it is just as much your responsibility as it is my responsibility to tell people about who Jesus is. All right, so it's all of us together, and you're not alone. I get great comfort from that. I'm not alone. I'm on the journey with you. I don't have this thing down. Do I stumble over my words? Do I think, okay, how, what do I need to say? What question do I need to ask to tell me? I'm there. I'm with you in this thing. All right? But we're in this together with the power of his spirit inside of us. And so what happens is Philip heads down to Samaria, verse 4 of, of Acts 8. Those who had been scattered preached their word wherever they went. Philip goes down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. So here, because of persecution, the church scatters. Philip goes to Samaria. Now we got new believers in Samaria if you keep reading. And then after Samaria, the Spirit says, hey, Philip, why don't you go to this road? Who's he meet on the road? A guy from Africa, Ethiopia. And so here we got Samaritans now knowing the Lord. And I'm guessing at some point down the road, we got people in Ethiopia now knowing the Lord. Why? Just because one guy moved out. That's it. It's that simple. It's because a guy who was passionate for Jesus, who was knowing Christ, a made disciple, moved out, and as he was moving out, he was living Christ, making Christ known. And then Acts chapter 11, we see more moving out. And this is all within, within 30 years this is happening, of time. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 21. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. What do we have happen now? Now we got the church that's that's responding to Stephen's persecution. They're in Samaria. They're in Africa. Now we got them going to Turkey. We got them going to Europe. We got them going to the Middle East. What's happening? You got Jesus Christ, the person and the work of Jesus Christ and who he is in his message, turning the world upside down because a few made disciples became consumed with who Jesus is and couldn't help but move out and start, start telling people. And you and I have the same message, the same spirit inside us, the same promises, the same presence. It can happen today. I believe it. I believe it. And I believe he can do it through you, and I believe he can do it through me, and I believe he can do it through us together as the church. How many of you remember this song? Be a missionary every day. Come on, fess up. Okay. Tell the world that Jesus is a way, be it in the town or country or a busy avenue. Don't let me up here by myself. Come on. Um, or the busy avenue, Africa or Asia, the task is up to you. So be a missionary every day. Tell the world that Jesus is a way. The Lord is soon returning. There is no time to lose. So be a missionary, God's own emissary. Be a missionary today. Thank you. You know, as a kid, we'd sing that corny little song, tune, I should say. But that song sums up our mission. It's simply being a missionary every day in the town or the country or the busy avenue. Listen, until you and I start thinking like missionaries, because we are, 
You got your own little prayer card. Missionary prayer card. We've been missionaries, okay? We were in Ireland for two and a half years. You do the, get the little prayer card, family picture, pray for us. All of you have one. Because you're, each one of you, if you're in Christ, you, you are a missionary. So we need to start thinking like that. So when you, and I, when you go to the workplace or I go next door to my neighbors, we've got to be thinking, these are people who need Jesus. They're hurting. Underneath it all, they need Jesus. And so how can I build a, a relationship with that person? Listen. Hey, tell me your story. And as you listen, I guarantee you at some point in their story, you will hear things about hope, a need for hope, a need for peace, struggling with guilt. Somewhere in their journey, you will find Jesus, the need for Jesus. We just have to listen. We have to think like missionaries. We have to move out like missionaries because we are missionaries. And this is why we as Living Church, we say not only are we about knowing Christ, but we're about living Christ, making Christ known because implied in that is us as a church moving out, telling people about who Jesus is. It was interesting, as I was studying this for these past couple weeks, David Platt tweeted out, some of you are familiar with him, he wrote the book Radical. This is what he said in a tweet. He said, no more spectators in the church. God has not saved you to sideline you. He has saved you to send you out. He has not saved you to sideline you. He has saved you to send you out. And some of you went to the passion movement that was um, back in early January. I remember one quote from Francis Chan. I didn't watch it, but he said this. If you want to experience God, do what? Make disciples. You want to experience God? Why? Because Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always. Say, I'm not experiencing the presence of Christ in my life. Are you making disciples? No. Maybe that's why. We got to go. We got to move out. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, stay. Go. Go. Start telling people about this Jesus that has rescued you. He's rescued you. When we were in Ireland, we, um, as a missionary in a new culture, and in Ireland there are some different words. We're learning everything. And so many times I'm like, where do you start? What do you do? And I was at a point, it was New Year's Day, and I was very frustrated because I was like, man, I just have not had the opportunity to talk to people about Jesus. This is what I'm here to do. I'm so frustrated. What do I do? And I remember telling Andrea this, and it was New Year's Day, and I said, I, I'm just going to go for a walk. I just got to talk to the Lord about this. So I'm moving out of my house. And I start moving out of my house, start taking this walk, right? And I start walking on this. We lived, yes, missionaries. We lived on the sea, near the sea. And we started walking. I started walking on this pier. And we were taking driving lessons with an Irish driving instructor. And I had not done so well. I would taken like seven driving lessons and needed more. And we had started praying for her and, and different things. And so I'm, I'm walking on this pier. I'm talking to the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, you know I'm here. You know I want to start telling people about you. I want to. God, help me. I, I'm walking by, and this lady walked by walking a dog. And I thought, and it was cold, windy, you know, hats, gloves, everything. And I thought it looked like her, our driving instructor. And, you know, doing the, oh, I don't know, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to embarrass her or say anything to her, you know, go around and what if it's not her? You know, all those questions start happening within seconds, all right? So I, I, we pass. I'm like, oh, I think that was her. Maybe, it was, should I go back? I don't know. I, what if I go back? It's not her. She'll think I'm freaked out or whatever, stalker kind of, you know, but, you know, what? all these different thoughts are going through my head. I'm like, I got to turn around. I think that was her. So I turn around. I start following her. 
unbeknownst to her. And I catch enough to where I realize it is her. I'm like, hey, how are you? And we get talking, and she starts opening up. We start walking together. And I right there, I'm able to tell this woman about Jesus Christ. We just got to move. We got to move. You say, well, I don't know how to move. Where do I start? Pray for an opportunity to move. Paul said, Colossians 4, pray. He's talking to the church. He said, pray for me. Pray for us. Pray for me. Okay, because this, I don't have this down. I need help in this. All right, so pray for me, and I'll pray for you that God would give us opportunities to proclaim Christ, as Paul said. And then, like Paul, we have to kind of initiate the opportunity In Acts chapter 17, he goes to Athens. He kind of walks around the city. He's listening to them. He's taking it all in. Then he goes to the synagogue, and then he goes to the marketplace, and he starts telling people about Jesus. Initiate the opportunity. Just go love somebody that needs Jesus. Be the answer to your prayer. And then when we get that opportunity, speak up. Speak up. Tell them about how much Jesus was done in your own life. And if he hasn't done anything in your life, then probably the first step for you is to receive Jesus into your life. But we got to be missionaries. We've got to move out like missionaries. If we're going to be a church on the move, it's going to involve us as made disciples of Jesus, knowing Christ, then moving out, living Christ, making Christ known. We have a problem, church. We do. It's the same problem that the first century church encountered. We have a world that is in desperate need of Jesus. That's the problem. But here's the beauty. We have the exact same solution. We do. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And so that's the problem. The problem is that we have a world in need of Jesus and on its way to hell without him. But we have a Jesus who can rescue them from their sin, just as he rescued you and me. I want you to imagine for a moment. Just just imagine with me, please. Imagine if we, I don't know how many people are in here, 70 people maybe, made disciples of Jesus. Just imagine if 70 of us just became so consumed with Jesus Christ. I mean, so passionate about who Jesus is. I mean, we were knowing Christ. We were learning Jesus together. We were talking about Jesus together that it just propelled us to move out and just start talking to all kinds of people, friends, family, about who Jesus is. Just imagine what, just, what do you think that would look like? Do you think it might change a community? Do you think it might change a family? Do you think it might change a school? Do you think it might change a city? Do you think it could turn the world upside down? Because whatever you're picturing, God can do more. Ephesians 3.20. God can do more. It's simply our turn. It's our move. And this is just the beginning. We'll get to here in two weeks. Next time. We're just looking at the beginning moves that we as a church need to make to become a church on the move. And so my question to us tonight is, or this morning is this, do you know Christ? If you do not, I implore you, call out to him and receive him this morning. If you know Christ, what are you doing? What are your moves for continuing to know him as your savior? Second question, are you moving out Are you intentionally moving out, making Christ known? 
living Christ? What do you need to do this week to live Christ and make Christ known? If you, do, if you leave here with that, without that in your mind, I'm guessing you probably won't do it if you're like me. If you don't have something in your mind right now of this is what I'm going to do this week to go live Christ and make Christ known, get it now in your head. What is it that you're going to do? Get it now. Because I'm guessing once we're done and you leave, life happens. And we forget. But we have a mission. And it all starts with Him. It all starts with Jesus. Just knowing Him. And then living Him. And making Him known. It's our turn. We get to. We get to. Just move. Move. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time. Speak with us now. And God, I pray that if there's anyone here that they don't know you, Jesus, they've not turned from their sin and not received you, Jesus, that right now in this moment they would call out to you to save them, to rescue their soul, to rescue them from their chains of sin and from the judgment of hell to come if they refuse you. And for the church, I pray for us, God, that we would be made disciples who are so passionate about knowing you so consumed with you, Jesus, and so intentional about moving out and telling the world about who you are. God, I pray that you would make us a church, not just living church, but the church of northern Kentucky, the church of Cincinnati, that you would make us a church that literally is turning our world upside down with you. Move now. Move, I pray, in us. May we be that church. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.